I had a really good friend once, and and when he was drunk and stoned, he would scream, fuck, I feel too good, every time. It was his catchphrase. And then he started taking OxyContin, those 30 milligram blue ones, and then he started shooting them, and then he started shooting heroin, and then he didn't really say that catchphrase anymore. Right, he was nodding off, or he was sick, or really fucking sad. You know, he didn't feel too fucking good anymore. His name was Seth, and there's a part of me that has that same kind of chaotic impulse. You know, the part of me that drinks. And today, I want to talk about that drinking part of me, and I named this part Seth. So let's talk about the two Seths in my life. This is Problem Child with me, Michael. And well, I don't think I've said this yet, but it's on the thumbnail. This is a punk rock mental health podcast. I don't know. Will it go past a month? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm really liking this so far. It kind of gives me a way to open up about shit and stay on track while I do this 30 days of sobriety stuff, you know? Um, I thought it'd be cool to explain the punk rock part of me, at least a little. I'm from Atlanta, which for a white guy almost always means I'm from the suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, Gwinnett County, about 15 minutes northeast of Atlanta, a town called Norcross. And then later we moved to the way out suburban town of Swanee, Georgia. And I was always a hyperactive kid, like I was kicked out of every daycare in Norcross by the time I was six. I just couldn't sit still. I wanted to fuck shit up. You know what I mean? Oh, I was a spaz. And I still have that. You know, I come by it honestly. Now, when I was 14, I had sort of withdrawn. That spazzy kid had turned into just moody teenager, you know? And there's good reason for that uh, that I'll get into, I'm sure, in the future. But at 14, I lucked out and I found punk rock. There was this kid at school who had green Doc Martens and a leather jacket, spiked hair. On his leather jacket, he had a huge subhumans patch. And I was like, this dude looks fucking serious. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, so one day I asked him what his deal was. And he told me about the misfits. And I went straight to a used CD store called, uh, well, you know, CD Warehouse. And I got the Misfits Collection 2. And the second I heard Last Caress, that was it. I was all in. I was like, okay, fuck it. No more Limp Biscuit and, you know, uh, Sugar Ray and all that shit I was listening to when I was 11. Then my friends got into it. You know, Jared, Lasana, Philip, Scott, Danny, all of them. And it was perfect music for what we were already kind of doing. You know, fucking shit up, breaking into the concession stand at the baseball park and stealing candy and sodas. My friend Danny one time, this is the punkest thing I ever saw, he <laughs> he took down the American flag from a, a, the pole upon which it was raised 
and uh, replaced it when he ran up uh, a trash can all the way to the top of the American flagpole and screamed death to America. And then we just ran off laughing, you know. Um, the wasps and good old boys at the baseball park were pretty upset with us that day. But, you know, we had fun. And when you're having fun like that, why not have a soundtrack while you do it? You know, punk rock's perfect for delinquency and, and vandalism. So then we started smoking cigarettes. And then we started snaking booze from our parents' cabinets. And then weed. Then eventually pills and mushrooms and acid. It just progressed from there. And that's when I met Seth. He was different. He went to the beat of his own drum. He listened to Lou Reed and Billy Joel. It was honestly, it was weird for me. But he was charismatic as fuck. He could play Billy Joel's best of and just explain to you why this this shit fucking rules. And you'd be sitting there, you're like, you know what, maybe it does. (laughs) You know, kind of like that punk rock kid got me into punk rock. He was like, I'm telling you, Lou Reed, you know, which is perfect for when you're on painkillers you got you know when you uh, had your wisdom teeth pulled but yeah seth was charismatic man handsome smart he was already living with a girlfriend in his own apartment by you know his early 20s he was a grown-up and he drank like a fish i mean i met him when i was 21 or so and we just became fast drinking buddies you know and it was fun for a while but by the time we got into our late 20s, it was less fun. And clearly his partying was becoming a job. You know, he struggled with opiates and other stuff. And soon I couldn't be around him anymore. You know, it's hard to relate to a junkie when you're not a junkie. It must be really lonely. But I cut him off. And I always feel regret about that for a bunch of reasons. You know, he was a really close friend. We really understood each other on a level others might not, you know. And also, I'm the one who introduced him to painkillers. You know, I was trying to be the fun, like, party punk bro dude, you know. I would pop a Percocet and ramble on about music and movies all night. He would pop five Percocets and drink till he passed out. You know, just different tracks of the same thing. Like, I'm weird. I would take a hydrocodone and get a nice opiate buzz. You know, they make me feel up. And I would go run six miles. He would snort half an oxy and, I don't know, go deal drugs or sit in his basement alone, you know. But they all come from the same part, I think, that he and I shared with each other. You know, the part of me, the part that needs to shut down the badness, the anxiety, the sadness, the confusion, the, you know, whatever feels shitty. Um, yeah, so Seth and I, we don't talk much anymore, or at all, actually. And since I'm on day three of this 30-day sobriety thing, I realized a couple of days ago that I don't talk to the part of me that drinks too much too often so it's just it's about time i get to know my drinking part and i named him seth in honor of my old buddy seth so to get to know a part of yourself that maybe you neglect 
there's many ways to get there, you know? And for one, for me, uh, the main way is something I keep bringing up called internal family systems. It's where you, you know, you kind of just check in with that part of yourself. So my alcoholic part, I guess, or my drinking part, I hate that word, alcoholic. Not me, man. (laughs) You know, I'm a recovering uh, human. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe there's a denial part jumping in. (laughs) I actually don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, there just might be. Seems to be a charge around that. Um, But... I wanted to know why Seth does what he does, you know, what are that part of me, the drinking part, what are his reasons? What's the positive stuff I get from it? I can tell you all the bad stuff, worries about health, probably health in general that I don't know about mental health, anxiety, you know, shit like that risk of a DUI. I've been there a few times. I got pulled over once. I was drunk and I was speeding 25 miles an hour over the speed limit down the highway. But the cop didn't smell it on me. He came to the others. He got pulled over on the side of the highway by a statey and he came to the passenger side window and I get lucky me. He didn't smell it, but I got a super speeder ticket and you know, a couple points on my license So Seth, my drinking part, he fears being alone. That kind of shocked me because I I figured his biggest fear would be, I don't know, not being able to have fun anymore. And that's there, but it's really a fear of being alone. You know, he lives in my stomach. Hold on. That sounds crazy, right? What I mean is, you ever have that feeling in your stomach like you're missing something? You know, maybe it's you're literally missing food. You're hungry or you're missing the cigarettes you're quitting or the booze that you haven't drank today and you just feel that urge. Like, come on, let's fucking drink, you know? Um, And that's what I mean by he lives in my stomach. And what he says to me is basically, you can't risk being overwhelmed by all this, so you need the drink. What he means by that is, my emotions can get pretty strong sometimes, man. I feel like a lot of things, like I feel very strongly stuff, you know what I mean? Like if I get, there's been a couple of times in my life where I didn't just get sad or like, you know, I'm a little depressed today. I've been there too, but I've had it to where I was like, no, seriously, I'm like, I, it's really hard to get out of bed, you know, that kind of shit. Um, and he fears that I can't handle stuff like that. So just drink, numb it. Or, you know, if friends are over and I feel like I don't have my head on straight, drink and just talk until you feel better. You know? Yeah, and so the question of, like, when do I get triggered to drink? You know, when when is it like, fuck, dude, you gotta, okay, it's, t- it's time, let's drink. 
Um, again, when I feel strong emotions, anxiety and excitement and irritability, panic, anger, boredom, you know, that's when he gets really fucking up and at him. But I also noticed something weird the past couple of days. I guess understandable. Something I forgot. Anytime I go for making a big change in my life, you know, if if I start getting into a relationship with somebody or I start eating better, like the rule is that's it. I'm eating plain chicken and fucking, you know, microwaved veggies, microwaved veg, you know, it's like the steam in the bag stuff you can get at Kroger. Like I'm just eating plain veggies and chicken all week. I'm going to have a smoothie in the morning, you know, that, you know, like positive changes like that or quitting cigarettes and or booze. Now, every time I've tried to quit cigarettes, I've quit for like a year at a time, a couple months here, a year or so there. Sometimes you just can snap into that change. You're like, no, I'm good. And you just fucking ball up that last pack of cigarettes, throw it out. You don't even think twice about it. But there are times when I'm trying to quit cigarettes and before I know it, just the idea of quitting fills me with such fucking anxiety. And that part, Seth jumps in and goes, hey, that no, we're going to smoke. We're not going to feel this. This this feels bad. Well, I've been feeling that with the booze thing the past couple of days, you know, and uh I checked in and I found a new part, (laughs) which was really interesting for me. It's the part who's scared of change. You know, again, he's trying to protect me by flooding me with, you know, anxiety. It's like, hey, man, uh, don't do change. Change is bad. Like, like (laughs) there are parts of me that are inherently Republican that way. And he's like, okay, change is bad. We're not going to do that. And I had to talk to him and figure out stuff about him too. But I was curious what it was about the Seth part of me, that drinking part of me. I wanted to know what his positive intentions were, you know, because I can tell you all the bad, right? What's the positives? Like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to make me feel better about life. How fucking great is that? You know? All right. He's doing it via booze, right? But so the fuck what? He's, the, the goal is to make me feel better about life, which means I can show this part of myself that there's other ways to feel better about life. You know what I mean? I know what I mean. Um, yeah, but that was really fucking cool to learn, to be honest with you. And in particular is trying to protect me from just a boring, shitty life, you know, filled with pain and torment and anguish. Yeah. So that's it. The 30 day sobriety, uh, book that I'm reading has me doing some journal reviewing from yesterday's journal entries 
And yesterday I talked about the before me, all the bad memories. But they want you to do something that wouldn't be the best to do via podcast because it's it's going to be kind of non-verbal and I don't want to cheapen it. Um, and I'm about to do that and that'll be fun. Or, I don't know, enlightening, sure, it'll be enlightening, I bet. Um, okay, look, that's where I'm at today. I'm feeling some anxiety. I'm 100% committed to seeing this through because I'm excited about it as well. It's a mix of emotions. That's what I'm feeling. I'm, I'm a mixed bag over here. And, uh, yeah, so if anybody has any, you know, uh, questions, advice, anything like that, I'm not really promoting this, but if you're listening and you want to reach out for any reason, my email for this is, uh, the fuck is my email for this? Problem child show at gmail.com. I'll put the link in the description and, uh, yeah, that's it. So the song for today is I'm going to dedicate it to, uh, my old buddy, Seth and my Seth part. And it's, uh, it's by a band. We used to listen to the song when we drank, actually. It's Double Whiskey Coke No Ice by Dillinger 4. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.